the world is divided into two kinds of people, isn't it? And those two kinds of people take many shapes and forms, but here's one of them. We're not going to ask you to raise your hand. Lutherans certainly wouldn't want to call any attention to themselves in the service. But, but in your heart, raise your hand if you think that the world makes sense. Raise your hand in your heart if you think that, you know, if you follow the rules, the right rules, of course, and there is a right rule in every case. Raise your hand if you think that if you do that, everything will work out smoothly. For some of us, the world is well-ordered. It is well-structured, and if we follow the rules, the right rules, and there is a right rule for everything, well, if we follow those rules, then everything runs smoothly. That's one kind of person, isn't it? Now, raise your hand in your heart, of course, if you are the complete opposite. If for you the world is completely random, disordered, it doesn't really matter whether you follow the right rule at the right time in the right way, because life is unpredictable. Life is wild, life is crazy. Sure, there may be rules, right rules. In fact, there might be a right rule for every case. We don't doubt that. But it doesn't always follow, does it? That keeping the rules doing what is expected, doing what is even right in God's eyes, it does not always follow, does it? That it will all work out perfectly? The world is divided between these two people. And of course, if I've taught you anything, I've taught you this, always beware of the false antithesis. It's not usually a matter of either or, but both and. The fact of the matter is that life is both of these ways. It is well-ordered. There is a right rule for everything. And if you read the book of Proverbs, you will find that out. If you read the book of Proverbs, you will find the wisdom of a well-ordered world. And if you follow all of the advice that the father in Proverbs gives to his son, chances are things will go right for you. And you'll think that that's the way it goes for everyone. That true wisdom consists of this, knowing the right rules following the right rules, and getting the right rewards. But you'll also probably find that no matter how much you follow the right rules at the right time in the right way, I did it just like it said in the instruction manual, I did it just like it said in the book of Proverbs, and yet it didn't work out like I thought it would. For you, there is the book of Ecclesiastes. Vanity of vanity, says the preacher. All is vanity. Which way is it? Which way is the path of wisdom? Is it the path of Proverbs or is it the path of Ecclesiastes? Turns out the same man wrote both of those books. Of course, God the Holy Spirit wrote both of those books. But Solomon, who Jesus mentions in our gospel reading today, Solomon, who Jesus outdoes in our gospel reading today, Solomon wrote both of those books. Solomon knew, the wisest man who ever knew, knew that there are right rules, that there is wisdom, that there is order to God's creation, and that following that order will lead, by and large, to good things for you. But Solomon also knew that try as you might, Solomon also knew that there is great vanity under the sun, that there is great grasping of wind. And so when you read the book of Ecclesiastes, you come away thinking, what's the point? What's the point of it all? No matter how hard I tried to figure out the rules, no matter how hard I tried to follow the rules, my life didn't turn out the way I thought it should. 
Maybe the world isn't quite so neat and orderly. Maybe things aren't quite so cut and dry. And it turns out having both of those things in your mind and being able to hold them together is what makes for true wisdom. Now, I start that way with Solomon because Jesus mentions Solomon and because I want you to see that what Jesus is doing in this well-loved passage, this Matthew 6 passage, sometimes we call this the little sermon within the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus is doing in this passage is he is combining Proverbs and Ecclesiastes together. He sounds sometimes very much like the preacher of Ecclesiastes. Which of you, by worrying, can add even an hour to your span of days? But he also sounds like the book of Proverbs. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry for itself. That's exactly the kind of thing you'd find in Proverbs. Jesus is teaching us today. Jesus is teaching us this morning the path of true wisdom. And for that, he holds up the example of King Solomon. It's good for us, then, to spend a little bit of time this morning remembering King Solomon. King Solomon was a man who, Jesus said, was arrayed in great glory. Solomon, as a king, would be the kind of guy who I think we would all say, I think I'd like to be like him. That is, until you start thinking about what it meant to be the king. The example of King Solomon is the example of the importance of finding true wisdom. So just ask yourself this morning, would you like to be in King Solomon's shoes? On first glance, of course, I think we'd all say, yeah, life in the palace, life with lots of good food, life with lots of good women, life with lots of good entertainment sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Maybe you women don't want to raise your hand on that one, but most of us would see, yes, I'd like to be a king. But then you probably remember, oh man, being king means you've got to do some hard stuff. Being king means you've got to be responsible when people come to you, you know, like these two women, and they say, well, we both claim to be the mother of this child. And how are you supposed to sort that one out? How are you supposed to tell the difference between the false mother and the true mother? Well, you need wisdom, don't you? When Solomon was still just a brand new king, before he had kind of been broken in, Solomon had this wonderful vision from the Lord. God came to Solomon early on in the time of his kingdom, and God gave him this wonderful gift. He said, Solomon, ask. Ask anything that you want, and I'll give it to you. Now, who wouldn't want the Lord to come tonight in a vision to you and give you that option? That is, until you really start thinking about it. What if you make the wrong request? What if you ask for something that you think, this is exactly what I need, this is exactly what will be good for me, this is exactly what I want right now, and it turns out a week later you have buyer's remorse. Oh, shoot, I should have asked for something else. The Lord came to Solomon, this young king, and he laid before him this amazing opportunity. Ask whatever you want. Now just think, if you were a king, what would you ask for? Wealth? Glory? Victory over your enemies? Peace during your time? If you know the story, you know what Solomon actually asked for. Solomon asked for wisdom. Although the text doesn't put it quite in those terms, it says he asked the Lord for a hearing heart, for a heart that hears from the Lord. 
See, oftentimes when we think about wisdom, we just think, you know, it's like, you know, we could download something. If I could just get all the information, if I could just have access to the right PDF that I could download onto my computer and then I could read every morning, then I would have all the wisdom, I would have all the information, and I would know exactly what to do, right? I could program my whole life according to the right information. But what Solomon asks for is not a PDF document or some download of information. Solomon asks for a heart that hears. And that is the heart of wisdom. And what God gives him then, if you know the story, is everything else. The Lord is so pleased that this young king asks for a heart that hears, that he says, Solomon, I'm not just going to give you wisdom. I'm not just going to give you a heart that hears. I'm going to give you everything else. I'm going to give you wealth. I'm going to give you victory over your enemies. I'm going to give you peace in your time. I'm going to give you everything, Solomon, because you asked for the one thing most needful, a heart that hears. Now, consider your own place in life. Do you have it better than King Solomon, or do you have it worse? Chances are most of us would say, well, I've got it a lot worse than Solomon. I don't live in a palace. I'm not surrounded by food and women and entertainment. I've got it a lot worse than Solomon. And yet, I also have a lot less of the responsibilities. I don't have to make decisions about going to war. I don't have to make decisions that are going to cost people their lives. So I kind of have it a little bit easier anyways than Solomon. The challenge is, here's the point, the challenges that you face are much different than Solomon. But what underlies both your place and Solomon's is that there are challenges. There are times and things that will come to you that try as you might to open the book of Proverbs and figure out what's the right rule for right now. What am I supposed to do about this? You're not going to find it labeled out. You need wisdom. That is, you need a heart that hears. So ask for it. That's why Solomon's example is there. We don't have a promise that the Lord will give us everything that we ask for, but when you see King Solomon praying for a heart that hears, and you see how God says, wow, what a great request. That's supposed to make you say, oh, maybe I should do that too. So ask for a heart that hears. Not for wealth, not for honor, not for victory over your enemies, and yes, you will have enemies, but ask for a heart that hears, and just see where that leads. Where it leads, hopefully, is to the mouth of Jesus, because it is from his mouth that true wisdom comes. See, if you have a heart that hears, that's good. That's where things begin. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. But if you have a heart that hears, but it's not hearing Jesus, well, that's kind of like having an open mind. The whole point of having an open mind is to close it on what is true. So have a heart that hears and let it hear Jesus. Today, Jesus imparts the wisdom of Solomon, but even better, because after all, Jesus is greater than Solomon. Solomon may have been the wisest man who ever lived, but of course, he always comes in second to Jesus. Today, Jesus would impart to you the wisdom of Solomon that while it doesn't solve every puzzle or unlock every riddle, does make peace possible. Here's how Jesus puts it. Don't worry. Don't worry. 
And of course, when we hear that, that's kind of like someone saying, don't think about pink elephants, right? As soon as he says it, all we can think about is, well, man, I've got a lot to worry about, Jesus. You know, of course, I don't have to worry about food. I've got plenty in the fridge, but, you know, there's a war, there's sickness, there's my job. I don't know how that's going to all work out. There's, see, I'm not worrying about food, Jesus. I'm just worrying about all the other stuff. But Jesus says, all the stuff is food or clothes, All the stuff that we get so worked up about, all the stuff that we can't sleep about at night, Jesus calls it food and clothes. It's no big deal. That's what Jesus is saying. How could he say that? How could he say that? Doesn't he know how important my job is? Doesn't he know how important, how dangerous the times are? Doesn't Jesus know how difficult everything is? Of course he does. He's Jesus. And he says, don't worry about it. Do not worry about your food. Do not worry about your clothing. Do not worry about your life, Jesus says. And we can't help but say, how can he say that? Jesus is always doing this, isn't he? Commanding the impossible. He heals a man and says, now don't talk about it. Impossible. Don't worry, Jesus says. How is that possible? And here is the wisdom that you should close your mind on this morning. Here is the wisdom that I want your heart to hear and to hold fast to this morning. Your father knows. Your father knows. Whatever it is in your heart, in your mind this morning that makes you worry, that makes you anxious, and surely there are plenty of things to make us all very, very anxious. Your father knows. He's not caught off guard. He's not surprised at the state of the world. He's not shocked that America has become what America is. He's not completely puzzled over what to do about declining church attendance in America. He's not completely fearful, is he? Your father knows. That's the wisdom that Jesus would impart to you today. That's the wisdom that I stand before you and give to you this morning. Your Father knows. Just think of how wonderful it is that Jesus puts it that way. Just think of how wonderful it is that Jesus doesn't say, my Father knows. Right? If Jesus were to say that, he'd be right. God the Father is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ par excellence. But Christ has come into this world to give you his father. We call it the great exchange, right? You've heard me say that many times, hopefully, and hopefully it never gets old in your ears. Jesus has come to share your place so that you may share his place. And what that means, what that means is you get all his stuff, including his relationship to the father. So his father is not just his father. His father is your father. And Jesus says to you this morning, your father knows. So don't worry. You're not on your own. Isn't that the source of all of our worries? Isn't that why anxiety is like at an all-time high? Because man has forgotten God, and so he's taken on himself all the cares, all the responsibilities, all the worries of the world. It'd be like little King Solomon trying to rule Israel without the Lord. Who wouldn't go crazy if they didn't have God the Father in heaven? Who wouldn't lose their mind if they didn't have this wisdom that Jesus gives? Your Father knows. That's why the world is mad, isn't it? Because man has forgotten 
God and so has become foolish in all of his wisdom. Jesus comes to you this morning to return you to the real path of wisdom. Your father knows. And then he goes on to say something else. If you're going to worry, right, worry about this. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then all the other stuff, just like it was for Solomon, will be added unto you. It is the Father's good pleasure, Jesus says in another place, to give you the kingdom. So if you're going to worry about something, if you're going to get all worked up over something, if you're going to scratch your head at night and lose sleep, lose sleep over this, what your Father wants to give you. How wonderful is this? Jesus turns everything on its head. How wonderful is this wisdom that our Lord Jesus has come to give us? That life is not about worrying and being anxious and being fearful, but that life is about living in trust, living in faith. That's how he ends his sermon, and so that's where we'll end today. Oh, you of little faith, why do you worry? Well, because maybe God hasn't remembered me, right? Maybe God is not my father. Jesus says, oh, you of little faith, have you forgotten? Oh, you of little faith, have you become so wise that you've made yourself a fool all over again? Oh, you of little faith, Return again to your heavenly Father who loves the little ones. To Christ be the glory now and forever. Amen.